Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, and their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to the Future Tech Podcast. I'm Alan Thomas. Today, I am joined by Matt Spoke, founder and CEO of Aeon. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing well, Alan. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. No problem. And uh, first question out of the gate, a little bit different this time. Uh, I heard you guys went through a recent rebranding, actually. What, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, I, I guess, it's, you know, a little bit of a rebranding, a little bit of a restructuring. Uh, when we started the company about two years ago, we started off with this mission of building enterprise infrastructure. So we were building essentially a licensable product for how uh, large enterprises could collaborate and connect over kind of private enterprise blockchain systems. So that was kind of the mission and, and, and mandate of Nuco. Uh, Nuco was uh, a profit generating entity. Uh, we had customers. We did, uh, you know, we did customer engagements uh, and we generated revenue. And, and what we went through over the last year is we kind of reshifted our focus to exclusively focusing on open source infrastructure uh, that I'm sure we're going to talk more about um, that, you know, helps to, to find solutions for scaling and interoperating of, of multiple blockchain networks. And this is the project that we launched in the market last year called Aon. Um, as we went down the path of developing Aon and kind of, you know, understanding the requirements for this type of technology in the market, we realized that, for one, it needed to be developed as an open source technology, so not something that we would monetize. And for two, it needed to be something that really had kind of a community of users and adopters behind it. So, you know, we actually moved away from a corporate structure and we've reincorporated ourselves into a foundation structure 
not too different from the Linux Foundation. So the, the, new, the new title of the organization is the Aon Foundation. Uh, the Aon Foundation is, is exclusively working on the research and development of this protocol uh, and essentially working to, to incentivize and, and engage with the community so that they, they use the protocol that we're developing. So that's kind of the, the driving force behind it. It really was just a, a shifting of priorities as an organization. And so the fact that it's open source should really accelerate the, the, the expanding of the community, right? Yeah, and, and, and I mean, you know, I, I guess our philosophy is kind of sharpened over the course of the last couple of years. And, and, and part of that is an, a, an understanding that one of the real, val- real value propositions of, of these decentralized networks is, um, you know, the, the nature of them being open and accessible and essentially removing the barriers to entry for people to participate in this technology. Uh, so part of that meant that we needed to change the ethos of our organization. You know, we were no longer an organization seeking revenues. Uh, we were an organization seeking adoption and adoption in a much more broad sense from developers in the open source community and companies that will eventually use and develop on top of our protocol. But at its core, the protocol is intended to be free public infrastructure that people can use and adopt and build businesses on top of. And so, Matt, what is it in your own background that, that drew you to this industry and drew you to the, the spot where you are now as head of Aon? Um, well, I, I have a pretty unorthodox background, I think, compared to many people that I speak to in the industry. I'm, I'm a chartered accountant by background, which is you know unusual. You don't hear many of us in the industry coming from that that background of education. I think what was what was particularly interesting my career before coming into the space. I used to work at Deloitte, a large uh, international consulting and accounting firm, um, and uh, you know, developing the skills to become a, an accountant, a CPA, uh, over the course of that education, you hear a lot about these stories of, um, you know, failures of modern financial systems and failures of, of public markets. And, you know, some of these are really, really high profile stories, like companies like Enron and WorldCom. Uh, and some of them are less publicized, but, you know, just as relevant. And I think what was obvious to me is that for all the work and effort that we, that, that our industry had put into perfecting you know, a, a quote-unquote science of financial reporting, um, we still left massive gaps. And, and the, the trust problem was so obvious, right, where people, you know, the market essentially relies on financial statements created by companies and audited by third parties for all of their investment decisions. And, and in some cases, it leads to these massive systemic risks imposed on our financial systems around the world where if there's something wrong with that financial information, if there's something um, you know, if there's a lack of trust in that financial system, uh, information, the whole system falls apart. Um, and when I first looked at Bitcoin in, in 2012, I was working at Deloitte, um, and you know, over the course of a few years, I just kind of spent some time familiarizing myself with it and understanding what it was. Uh, you know, my original thought was, and it's, you know, unsexy as this is, my original thought was this is kind of a better way to do accounting. There's a better way to provide confidence in financial reports and financial transactions. And um, and when I first started writing about Bitcoin in, in 2014, uh, the early premise of what I would write about was why Bitcoin was going to um, render the audit profession irrelevant uh, as a result of like a perfectly trustable system uh, where you wouldn't need third party trust to come into these systems. So that's what kind of got me down this path. I think the more time I've spent in the industry, you know, now full time focused on the industry for about four years, um, the more I realized that th- this is significantly more pronounced than that, you know, trust impacts the infrastructures of our economy in, in significantly more uh, meaningful ways than just financial infrastructure. Um, but it all came down to, you know, a realization that, that the status quo, um, although, had, although it had become significantly more efficient over the last few decades, we had never really solved the underlying problems. And most of those problems can essentially be boiled down to, um, uh, to trust. So, so we could really 
I mean, so in your opinion, we could really actually get to a point to where the the audit part of our financial system wouldn't really be needed anymore, or would it just change the nature of what audits look like? Probably a little bit of both. Uh, I think it's it's um, it's a core understanding of like. Um, you know, the, the origins of, of, of assets and the origins of financial statements and financial transactions and, and, and understanding that in modern financial systems, there's layers and layers and layers of confidence that we place in third parties and in multiple third parties, not just one, right? And, uh, you know, the 2008 financial crisis is a great example of this, uh, where all of a sudden the economy fell apart because where people thought there was value in assets, in fact, there was no value in assets. and uh, and But there was no way to see through that financial system because it was completely you know, obfuscated and it was completely opaque. So if you were holding, uh, you know, one of these, one of these uh, quote unquote valuable assets, um, not knowing that in fact, the underlying mortgages backing those assets were all going through foreclosure, um, you had no, you had no way of understanding that or of knowing that as, as the, the retail investor. And that's just one simple example of like a failure of layers and layers and layers of, you know, opaqueness essentially. Uh, and and if anything, what what decentralized systems and these open source blockchain technologies allow us to do is to create the equivalent of those models, but with perfect transparency all the way through. Doesn't mean that you're not going to need analysts to look at that data and to understand that data, but at the very least, the data will be available and transparent and understandable so that the the, the public can have confidence in it. And I think that's going to be a dramatic shift. Understood. Understood. And if and if I'm someone who wants to get involved with the Aon Foundation with the community. What does that look like on day one when I want to sign up or when I go to the website or what, what does it look like in terms of onboarding and getting involved in it? So there's a couple of different ways that we engage with, with our community today. One, one we've got obviously a, a, the, the majority of our focus is spent on engaging with developers and, and developers uh, at a very high level fall into two general categories for us. They fall into contributors or users and contributors are people that actually want to participate in designing and building Aon alongside us. Uh, and users are the ones who want to build apps and businesses on top of Aon. And, you know, and both are equally important. Uh, but, you know, the, the, depending on the motivation of a developer, there's there's different reasons why they'd want to do one or the other. Uh, so it's pretty easy to, to reach out to our team. We've got a pretty active forum online uh, where developers can kind of chat about issues and ideas that we're proposing. You can, you can get on our GitHub and, and start, you know, logging uh, proposed fixes to bugs that you find in our code base. Um, we're going to be. We've actually already put out our bounty program, so now people can can apply to be eligible for bounties. And, and a bounty is essentially like a, a payment for a developer to get involved in a piece of our code base. So if people go to bounty.aon.network, they'll see a process by which they can apply to to start contributing code. Um, if if, uh, if if a developer is wanting to build a product like an app or a tool on top of Aon, uh, then there's another process where we you know we're very uh, willing to kind of get involved in supporting projects that want to use Aon. Uh, within their businesses, uh, and there's a way to engage with our community through uh, through the forum and through our channels as well. Um, and then, you know, outside of the developer community, we just have, you know, there, there's a couple of other buckets of, of actors in our world. There's miners, obviously, who, who kind of uh, put hardware into the system and help secure our network, and we're constantly engaging with miners and validators to, to get that, that community to grow. And then there's like your average enthusiast who just wants to learn about what we're building, show up to meetups. Uh, we have a community ambassador program that we launched a few weeks ago focused on getting more people to kind of act as our ambassadors in different regions around the world because we can't, you know, practically speaking, be everywhere at the same time. So we're starting to host meetups either where we're physically in town or where we have an ambassador locally who can kind of represent us and host a meetup on our behalf uh, to continue spreading the word. So there's there's tons of room for somebody to get involved as a community ambassador. Uh, and there's, there's uh, all the instructions for doing that on our website as well. 
Okay, and, and when we talk about building apps on top of Aon, uh, are there certain ones that are a better fit than others, or is it just kind of an open field? Or, or it's a it's a pretty open field, I'd say. But there, there's definitely some characteristics that we're focusing on, and and uh, when we look at the design of Aon and, and its differentiation, we we see kind of you know call it three things in one in our design, and I'll use you know some probably poor analogies, but hopefully it helps to clarify for people what it is we're building. Um, for one, Aon is, is, a, is a decentralized operating system. So it's an operating system in the sense that you can build kind of generic logic uh, into an app on top of this operating system. Uh, not too dissimilar from doing that on Ethereum or, or, or any number of other kind of operating system engines in the, in the blockchain space. Um, the second thing Aon is that's slightly different is it's a routing system. And, and the reason it's a routing system is because we're using Aon as kind of a, a common protocol and interface for other blockchains to be able to connect to each other through Aon. So uh, we essentially allow blockchains to, to, to connect to Aon using something we call a bridge. And that bridge is a, is a communication protocol, essentially. And, and using Aon, they can essentially route messages from one blockchain to another blockchain. So you can start to write applications that are much more interesting in their design because these applications could have um, you know, logic statements like if this happens on blockchain A, then trigger this on blockchain B. And today that's not a possible design in a decentralized application. So uh, that's kind of layer two of, of the Aon design is this routing system. And layer three is, is in order to enable routing, we're essentially building our own version of sort of TCP IP, uh, the, the communication protocol, you know, the common language on how messages will leave one blockchain and be received in another in such a way that they can be understood. Because all these protocols are, are very different from each other. Uh, and there's, you, know, you have to be able to interpret these messages in such a way uh, that you can understand it and, and use it to execute on a smart contract. So, so we're an operating system, a routing system, and a communication protocol all in one. And so when, when talking about Aon or, or even the change from, from Nuco to Aon, but what are some of the, the obstacles that you kind of had to jump over in order to bring, this all, bring it all together? Well, most of the work we do technically, uh, our engineering team is very focused on, um, you know, solving for problems like on-chain scalability and interchain communication. Those are probably our two major focuses. So on-chain scalability has a number of issues uh, that we're working on in a number of different, you know, um, areas. And, and probably the most prominent area that we're working on is, is uh, a new design for a virtual machine. And for people who, you know, who may not be familiar with a virtual machine, this is essentially, you can think of it as like the execution engine of applications. So uh, applications have se sequences of logic that, that allow the application to kind of execute. And that logic takes up computing resources. And these computing resources um, can be slow and expensive. If you're, you know, if you're building something on Ethereum, for example, you would use the Ethereum virtual machine. And there's a cost and a, and a time consumption involved with that virtual machine. So part of our virtual machine work, or our VM for short, is we're building the Aon VM, the AVM, and that VM is designed to essentially be able to dramatically reduce the cost and dramatically improve the speed so that we can start to do larger volumes of applications on top of this VM. And that's, that's a big piece of this on-chain scaling. There's, there's other layers at the database layer, um, at, at the peer-to-peer -peer kind of messaging layer on how, how nodes are essentially sending and receiving messages from each other. But all of these stack up to how do you make the on-chain processing of transactions more efficient. Uh, the second layer is this interchain communication, which is, as I mentioned earlier, this bridge design. Uh, we actually just demoed last week our first implementation of our bridge between Aon and Ethereum, where you can essentially trigger a transaction on one chain and have that transaction recognized on the other. Um, and, and that goes back into this idea of being able to build uh, what we call cross-chain applications. Um, and we think there's a lot of really interesting use cases down the line for these cross-chain applications. And so 
we, we and so we're, we're we're talking about some of the the difficulties of the obstacles, but I also want to make sure to 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 mention or ask about some of the main achievements that you've seen these past couple of years uh, in in doing this work for the industry in general or for us specifically. Oh, for you guys specifically, what would you what, what kind of comes to mind if you think of the main achievements so far? Well, I, you know, the last couple of weeks have been have been massive milestones for us. So last week we had we hosted our first developer conference called AonX in Toronto. Uh, AonX, we we had 650 people registered for our first developer conference, and we were we were blown away by the you know the, the turnout and support. Our engineers were all you know a large number of them were on stage presenting what they've been working on, and we got a really really great. Uh, the feedback from the community in terms of people, you know, following our project. One thing that we've been pretty proud of is that at the core of our of our operating model is, you know, execution is massively important. And I think one of the challenges facing this industry is you've got um, a very long list of great ideas and a very short list of people who know how to execute on those ideas. And, uh, and, and we really hope to be able to differentiate on execution as well as ideas, but execution, I think, is going to become more and more critical. Um, and, and we kind of demonstrated that the week before last when we first launched uh, the first version of our live public network. So the Aon public network has been live for about two and a half weeks, um, and, and that network is, is a big milestone to be able to demonstrate the capabilities of an engineering team because it's no, it's no small feat to be able to launch a public network. So many of the projects we hear of on a regular basis that are kind of high-profile blockchain projects, many of them have actually not reached that milestone yet, and that, that milestone is a big tell as to, you know, should I believe you or should I not? Are you capable of doing this or are you not? And uh, so we were really proud of getting through the, getting that through the door. Um, and to do that, we've been growing an incredible team of engineers, not only in our offices in Toronto, but we now have presence in four cities around the world, uh, an engineering team in Toronto, Barbados, uh, Romania, in a city called Cluj, and in uh, Shanghai, China. Um, and so the collection of those teams has led to a really, really solid engineering team uh, that we intend to continue growing. Uh, but we're about 60 people now across the board. So it sounds like the launch of the public network really does signal that you're you're of a certain level as a company now. Yeah, and, and you know before that, people who would have followed the project for the last year will probably have noted that we've been we've been a very you know relatively speaking in this market, it, it, it's tough to stay focused. It's tough to not get distracted by all the noise. But uh, we've been a very quiet company and a very quiet project, and, and that was all by design. And you know in some cases. Uh, we've we've been criticized for not being loud enough. Uh, we've been criticized for not promoting ourselves enough. And and we uh, you know we've we've held pretty firmly to the opinion that um, you know that quality should precede hype. And and in many cases it's the other way around in this market. Uh, so we wanted to make sure that we weren't out in the market uh, you know over promising and under delivering, but rather the opposite. And and if we've demonstrated anything over the last month or so is that we we've been able to over deliver on a faster timeline than expected. Uh, while under-promising to the market. And, and we, we intend to continue doing that. Uh, you know, we're, we want to make sure that, that core, our, our core focus and our number one priority is developing substantially better software than others um, and keeping the focus on that rather than on, you know, the price of our coin or the, uh, you know, the volatility of this market or anything like that. Um, so the, the software is kind of first and foremost in our strategy. And so I know you, you probably hear a lot of wild ideas just from week to week in terms of what can be done and what people would like to do in this industry. But are there are there any developments that come to mind that you think of maybe some an idea or a concept somebody mentioned where you say, well, that's a cool idea, but it's not something that could necessarily happen this year, maybe in three years, four years, something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I – 
I'll say this carefully because I have, I have many close friends building companies in this industry, but um, you know, I think the vast majority of the businesses being built in this industry, that's the case. I think the vast majority of these businesses are, are too early. Um, I think you know we're we're at a we're at a stage in the market where infrastructure is not ready for the promises of the businesses that are being built, right? So the infrastructure has yet to mature enough and has yet to evolve enough to be able to support some of these ideas. And some of these ideas, you know, you might think of somebody talking about, hey, I'm going to build, uh, you know, Napster on the blockchain. Let's download music on the blockchain, or I'm going to I'm going to build uh, medical record systems. And you know, I think there's there's merit in testing those hypotheses and there's merit in trying those businesses out. Um, but I do think that entrepreneurs going into those markets need to understand that the, the realistic timeline for them to see real mainstream adoption is at least three years out, if not longer, because the requirements that they're going to have of the infrastructure they're built on are not ready yet. So the, the transaction requirements, the privacy requirements, you know, the robustness and the security that they're going to need is just not ready yet. Um, so, you know, where I get really excited around projects is, are you focusing on a core infrastructure challenge? Are you building a protocol versus an app? I think protocols, there's lots of time and space for protocols to get developed. And protocols don't all need to be new blockchains. They can be what we call second layer protocols. And these protocols might be starting to lay the foundational pieces for future applications to get built. And you know, we've got a, we've got a very close friend, a company of ours, partner of ours called Velocia that's doing just that. They're building a second layer protocol uh, that starts to lay the foundational pieces for like a ride sharing economy to evolve, but they're not building a consumer facing app. Um, and, and, and then the, the final thing that I think is important is that we continue focusing on the financial infrastructure around this market. And that financial infrastructure is better exchanges and better wallets and better swap functions and better on-ramps and off-ramps, essentially, because that's still a big barrier and a big friction for a lot of people who want to interact with this technology, uh, because to interact with these systems, you need access to their assets, and their assets are still relatively complicated to get access to unless you're you know, part of this inner circle of crypto geeks like, like you and I are. <laughs> And so it sounds like even if you have kind of a, a wild idea, as long as you can kind of keep that understanding that, okay, at a certain point, I'm going to have to wait for the infrastructures to catch up to me a little bit. As long as you kind of have that understanding, you you, you should be all right. I, I think so. And I mean, you know, the, the, we're, at a, we're at a stage where, where people are willing to fund crazy ideas. So you, you can build up a crazy idea and develop it and test it and hypothesize on it while you wait for the market to kind of catch up. And there's probably enough of a niche market already developed within the crypto markets to, to test out ideas. Um, but I think as long as people's expectations are, are realistic, you know, as to, as to when these things are going to reach mainstream usage. And I think we're still a little ways out from that. Um, but, you know, not to say that people shouldn't be testing these ideas. And so for Aon, what is the, the next what's the what does the next 18 to 24 months look like? What does the roadmap look like for you guys? Um, yeah, we've got about. 18 months laid out in front of us. I, I'd say I'd have a hard time telling you what 24 months looks like. And even my 18 month timeline is probably going to change three or four times over. <laughs> oh, that's understood. Months. That is understood. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, the next 18 months on, on the roadmap are pretty well laid out. On the technical roadmap, it's published on our website. It's, uh, you know, continuing the development of our new virtual machine. We're developing a new consensus algorithm. And we're developing a couple of stages of our bridge implementation to start demonstrating the functions of these bridges between blockchains. Um, and that's about 18 months of, of remaining runway. Um, sorry, remaining roadmap in front of us. On the call it, call it the market side, uh, in terms of where do we see ourselves in the next 18 months? Uh, I haven't looked 18 months up, but just last week we were talking about our 12-month goals, and our 12-month goals are starting to come together as a pretty measurable set of goals. Uh, and you know, this breaks down into a whole number of tracks internally that we're working on to, to achieve these goals. 
Uh, but just to give the, the market something to kind of look forward to is we've set, we've set our eyes on becoming a top 10 protocol in the market measured by market cap as, as kind of a replacement for anything real. So within the next 12 months, we intend, we intend to be in that top 10 list. Within the next 12 months, we intend to be the top 10 mined network for GPU, um, GPU networks uh, by hash power. And we intend to be one of the top five platforms on which decentralized applications are being built. Um, and so, and we, we have some other metrics around how many companies and development partners around the world are going to be using our software, et cetera, et cetera. But those are probably the easiest ones for people to follow, especially the top 10 kind of metric on, on market cap uh, ranking. Um, we're not so concerned as to like where the overall value of the market is, but we do look at the ranking as kind of a, uh, an indication of how we're doing uh, from a market awareness perspective. So that's, uh, that's the goal for the next 12 months. Okay. And for our listeners, what, Final thoughts would you have? What what big takeaways should they get from this interview about Neon? Um, well, you know, we we say this often enough, and I think probably some of our, our, our hodlers are a little sick of hearing me say this, but I'll say it again. I mean, um, <laughs> set your expectations uh, for the, you know, the amount of time needed to build something as as long-term and ambitious as, as Aeon. Um, this is not a project that, that you should expect to see week-to-week returns. It's a project that you should expect to see uh, you know, a long-term commitment to uh, a very, very ambitious research and development roadmap. Uh, and if people align with that set of expectations, they won't be disappointed because uh, we have a really, really amazing and I think unparalleled team in terms of talent. Um, and we're, we, we're keeping our heads down and just focusing on the fundamentals. And, uh, and you know, we hope to continue getting the support of our community to do that. Great. Well, well, uh, I'm, I just want to say thank you, Matt, for coming on to the podcast and, and, uh, giving us your time. And, and again, let's go over again the, the best way for our audience to engage with Aeon, engage with the company and with everything that you're doing. What's, what's the best way? Well, the best way to find all of these resources, and, you know, uh, I think everybody in this market's aware to kind of watch out for scams and frauds, especially on Twitter. We've got an innumerable number of copycats on Twitter at this point. Um, but just go to our website, Aeon.network. You'll, you'll see a list of resources in terms of what social channels you can reach us on, how to get to our GitHub, how to you know, participate in our developer forum, uh, join our ambassador program, et cetera, et cetera. It's all available on our website at aon.network. Great. Well, well and like I said, again, thank you, Matt. We, we appreciate your time and your expertise. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Alan. That was fun. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005. From the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, 
but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.